We're in a mini-series now about love, and I want to continue that today. But to begin with, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen anyone love another person regardless of what they did, said, acted, had a bad attitude, bad behavior? That made no difference. Well, now, there may be a few occasions when we could say, yes, I think I remember somebody like that. But I would suggest it's probably few and far between. The Scripture says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, love never fails. Now, when we talk about love today, we're talking about only God's type of love. Not the other types of love, but God's type only. And his type of love, agapeo, the agape love of God, self-sacrificing, nothing can offend it type of love, never, ever fails. In the late 70s, we were pastoring a church in Tennessee. And in that church, we had a lady who came. She's a very committed Christian, very vocal, energetic Christian. But her husband was a successful businessman. And he thought nothing of God at all. He was making money hand over fist. And, you know, had the best of everything. But his wife was always trying to get him to turn his life over to God and, and come to church. And he wouldn't do it. One day she, after we had been there a couple of years, one day she comes to my office just broken hearted, crying. I said, what's the uh, matter with you? And she said, well, I found out my husband has a girlfriend. And not only has he a girlfriend, he's been, you know, putting her up in a house and providing her car and money and, and clothes and jewelry and, and all, everything like that. And she was brokenhearted. She said, can I divorce him? I said, well, I think biblically you have biblical grounds to do so. Legally, I know you do, and biblically, I believe you do. I said, but remember this, you don't have to. You don't have to. I said, if you can love him with the love of God, and if there's any chance of his redemption, that's the road to do it. Now remember, she was a very committed Christian, very word-oriented, and she was a, quite an aggressive person. And so she said, I can do it. I can do that. I said, good, we'll be praying for you. And I prayed for her that day. And being a detective, and she wasn't a detective, but she did some detective work and found out who the lady was. And when I heard that she was going to approach this lady, I called her and I said, now, okay, tell me what you're going to say and do when you get there. I knew that she might just slug her. And she said, oh, no, no, I'm not going to do anything like that. I'm going to share Jesus with her. She said, I believe the best way to reach him is to reach her. And I thought, well, that's fantastic. Let's do it. And uh, so she befriended the lady. She told the lady up front, I know about what's going on, but I want you to know that God loves you, and I'm learning to love you. 
So to shorten the story up, this went on for several months. And one day on a Sunday morning, I saw her walk in with the girlfriend. She didn't get born again that day, but we had a, a couple weeks later, we had a special evangelistic uh, outreach in our community. And so the speaker on a Sunday night was really pressing the gospel and how we should be able to live the gospel and all of this. And the wife and the girlfriend were there. And when he gave the invitation, the, the wife brought the girlfriend to the front and she got born again. On Monday morning, she calls Peggy's husband up and told him, I'm moving out. I gave my life to Jesus, and I can't live this way anymore. Now, her husband was extremely upset with his wife. And his wife was ecstatic. She called me. She said, guess what? He don't like it. I said, that's okay. That's okay. You know, you keep praying. You keep believing God. You keep expressing the love of Jesus to Him. Now you've got half of the problem already won. Shorten the story even more. A few more months went by. And one day at home, her husband came in from, from work. He was a very successful businessman. For, came in for lunch, just all broken up. And he called his wife. He said, I need to talk. He came in and he, she said, what do you need to talk about? He said, this Jesus thing. I need to talk about this Jesus thing. She shared the gospel with him. He got born again. Now, there is that type of love available. You see, that's the love of Jesus Christ. That's the agape love. Many times you and I may fall short of that. I know I have on more occasions than I'd like to admit. Falling short of that, I might operate in phileo or brotherly love or storgos, a parental love, but sometimes the agape, self-sacrificing, it never fails type, may be falling short of that. My point today is it's possible for you and I to live in that type of love so that not only do we profess Jesus Christ as Lord, not only do we say we believe He can do anything, but we actually live it out and give Him an opportunity to do it. My big idea, or one of my big ideas today, my first one, is this. Root determines fruit. Root determines fruit. In the book of Galatians, chapter 5, and verse 17 through 19, you have a list of 17, 17 things, and such is the way that list ends. It's called the works of the flesh. When you and I yield to the flesh, this is the type of things that come out. Those 17 and things like that. When we live to the flesh, flesh is that part of us that is not totally submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's flesh. 
envy, strife, dissensions. There's a whole list of stuff there. You can read them. And if that's the root of our life is in the areas that we haven't submitted to Christ, then that's going to produce a type of fruit or works or results. On the other hand, in the book of Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22 and 23, there are mentioned nine fruit of the Spirit. Notice that word is singular, not plural. There aren't nine fruits. There is a ninefold fruit that begins with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Ninefold fruit are things that the Spirit produces. You see, you and I have one nature, and that's the nature of Jesus Christ. That is, by being born again, we have the nature of Jesus living in us. Now, sometimes my problem is, maybe yours, I don't always submit to that nature of Jesus on the inside of me. You ever been guilty of that? Driver, why don't you hurry up and get out of my way? i got an important place to be. That may not be the fruit of the Spirit. Right? That may not be the fruit of the Spirit. That might be selfishness on my part. So we have the potential and the possibility of yielding to the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so on, or yielding to that part of us that we haven't totally surrendered yet, called the flesh. So whichever one we yield to, that's the one that will express the love of God or selfishness. The root determines the fruit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The root always determines the fruit. Let's go to another passage. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19 says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Let's stop there a minute. Rooted and grounding in love. You know, the Bible says God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and other places say that. John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16. Number of places say that God is love. The very essence of God is love. If you want to use one word to describe what God is like, love would be it. He has faith, yes. He's good, yes. He's powerful, yes. But He is, the essence of His personhood is He's love. Now, when we get in trouble with that is sometimes we uh, define love from our perspective and not his perspective. You know, sometimes we talk about love as being something ooey-gooey. Something you fall in of and you fall out of. Okay? You know, something that I accept everything that happens, it doesn't matter. I just don't have a standard to live by. Every, you know, I just walking in love as if that were the love of God. It really isn't. God is love. He goes beyond what is right and possible in our imagination, and He goes all the way beyond man's imagination of what love is really like. It's, in fact, His love is so great it's hard to describe it. But He does say here, say here Paul says, that you being rooted and grounded in agape may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height, 
and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all of the fullness of God. I gather from that that if you and I want to experience God to the fullest, we must learn how to live the love life. His love. We need to learn how in every circumstance to respond out of love. In some discipleship classes, such as YWAM, but this is true in others as well, they teach about when somebody does or responds to you in a bad way, we should respond in a opposite spirit. In other words, if somebody is hateful to, to us, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to respond peace and love. So that's hard to do. It is if we're still walking in the flesh. But if we yield to the Holy Spirit, if we're rooted and grounded in love, we can respond in the opposite spirit. See, this lady whose husband had his girlfriend that I just told you about in the beginning. What did she do? She could have gotten angry. She could have gone over there and, and bopped that lady in the face. And, and she could have done a lot of things. What she didn't do, she responded in the opposite spirit, that is the spirit of Christ, and ended up getting both of them born again and involved in the kingdom of God. Both of them. Let me tell you a personal side to that story that I haven't told you yet. This individual was, as I said, a very successful businessman. And after he got born again, he and I were exactly the same size. Now, I was larger then than I am now. But he and I were the same size. And he didn't buy Walmart clothes. He bought very expensive clothes. And so sometimes he would see me and say, Pastor, come by my office this week. I got something I want to give you. I'd, I'd go over, okay. He said, I bought these shoes, and, and I, they're good shoes, but I don't really like them. Would you like to have them? And I'd say, well, yeah, I could use another pair of shoes, and it would be my exact size, as if it had been ordered for me. Or another time he might call and say, look, I've got a whole closet full of, $500 suits. Now remember, this is late 70s. $500 suit then is probably three or 4000 now. These were personally made suits to fit him, which we were the same size, so it fit me perfectly. He kept me in clothes for three years. And there was no way I could buy $500 suits or two or $300 pair of shoes. I couldn't. I was out of my budget. Couldn't do it. But he did it, and out of his generosity, he kept me in clothes. Suits, pants, sports jacket, shoes, all of that. Why? Because his heart got changed. His heart got changed. He learned what it was to see love manifest. One day we were talking, and he wasn't sure that I knew the whole story, so he told me the story that I just related to you earlier from his perspective. And he told me that, he said, when she found out what was going on, I thought she'd literally shoot me. I thought she would. I thought my life is probably over now. She's just going to get one of my guns and come in here and just shoot me or 
kill me in my sleep or something. But he said, you know, I saw God in her. And it wasn't so much the message at that service, it was the life she had lived for months leading up to that service where he gave his life to God. Rooted and grounded in love, that you can know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. That type of love just doesn't make sense. In our society, to see somebody love that way doesn't make sense. It goes contrary to society. Unless you're living in the kingdom of God. And then it should be commonplace in the kingdom of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I think to the degree that we learn to yield to the Spirit and walk in love, to that degree we will express the fullness of God to that degree. Second big idea, love promotes spiritual growth. Not only does the root determine the fruit, but love promotes spiritual growth. And for this, we go to the book of Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16. And this is in the context of the ministry gifts. Earlier in this chapter, it talks about how there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and they have a purpose to instruct and train and disciple the church, the body of Christ, so that the church, the body of Christ, can fulfill its calling and purpose. And in that context, he said, verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Stop there a minute. Speaking the truth in love. Now, sometimes I wish he had said, speaking the truth, period. Because I have found that not only do personalities have a bearing on what I'm talking about today, but upbringing has a bearing on it, as well as ministry gift has a bearing on this. I have noticed... In, in readings as well as personal contact with other people, that people that are prophets and teachers have a tendency to speak rather pointedly. I had a prophet friend that I mean he was harsh sounding. Now he really was a loving person, but when he would start prophesying to you, it sounded like he was mad at you almost. You kind of wondered, what's he got against me? Of course, I didn't particularly like it when he read my mail. You know what that means, right? Okay, so those individuals, it's kind of, it's occupational hazard thing. But notice, the real part of that ministry occurs when it's not only the truth, but it's shared in love. Speaking the truth in love. These ministry gifts here are to speak the truth in love and then we grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ. As the truth is spoken in love, it lays the groundwork for spiritual growth. God's love enables us to grow. Think about that. 
God's love. The more we live in God's love, the more we can grow spiritually. Why? Because God's love is the essence of God. We are expressing His nature. See, the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 says that we might be partakers of the divine nature. As we walk in the promises of God, as we obey God, we are partaking the divine nature that lives in us. We didn't produce it. God put it in us at the new birth. But we began to partake of it by keeping and obeying the promises of God, one of which is love each other. As I love you, as you love each other, you are partaking of the divine nature that's in you. You are expressing it to other people. And love makes, the cliche is, love makes the world go round. But they were talking about one particular type and we're talking about another particular type. This type causes us to grow up from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Put it in, again in its context. We're talking about ministry to the church, ministry to the body of Christ, certain called ministries that are leadership ministries. These are set to instruct, to disciple the body to enable the body to grow up and do its individual ministry. This particular verse talks about that each of us are joined and knit together by what each person or joint supplies. In other words, the more you and I are doing what we're called to do, the more the gift and the calling and the anointing of God that is upon us can be expressed and all of that combined causes the body to grow spiritually. According to the effective working by which every part does its share. Does love got something to do with that? It does. If you have a calling on your life for a particular thing, but if you're not living in the love of God and are not obeying God and His promises that are pertinent to what God's called you to do, if you're not doing that, you are not going to be able to share with and to reveal and participate in what God wants your part to be in the body. Let me say that again. If God has a call and anointing on your life, and He does, but if you're not obeying the promises of God, walking in the love of God, you're never going to fully get to the point to where you can fulfill the ministry that God has for you. I had a pastor friend who was in his late 70s who told me, he lived a few more years after this conversation, but he told me, he said, I am just now discovering the love of God. What? I mean, the guy had been a pastor for almost 50 years at like two churches. He said, I'm just now discovering what the love of God's all about. I wish I had learned this 
all the way back there. Let's not let you and me be that, have that testimony. Let's go ahead and learn what the love of God is all about and live in it so that we can fulfill what God has got for us to accomplish. Let's be a joint and a, that's knit together and joined together with those that God has put us in relationship and fellowship with and love God and love His people. John 15, 12, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. See, if we do that, if we live that type of life, will the ministry that God has for us be accomplished? Yes, it will be because Jesus will be manifest in it. His hand will be involved. And this love, he said, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, if we are waiting for people to edify or build us up, you have to wait till they do it. <laughs> and there may be times when they don't do it. And it may be that you need to build yourself up. Well, how can I do that? Well, you know, the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing the Word, and the Word will build you up, right? You can pray in your spirit, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You can do that for yourself. And as you walk in love and express the love of God, you're also building yourself up. The very life and nature of Jesus. Root determines fruit. If it's the Spirit of God, it's going to have a good fruit that's going to be manifest. And you are going to grow, and the people that you minister to are also going to grow. Your family, your friends, and others will grow as you and I walk in love. We're not giving an imitation because of the present circumstances of the COVID, we're not supposed to be laying hands on people. So I'm going to get it to them, Lord. But I have two questions to challenge us with. What area of your life is functioning in the flesh instead of the spirit? Think about that one for a minute. Remember, root determines fruit, works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. What area of your life are you functioning in the flesh in that area instead of the Spirit? Second question. Am I fulfilling my role in the body where I've been planted? And that's something that each one of us need to answer these two questions for ourselves. Well, if my husband would just do, or if my wife would just do, no, no, this is individual questions. What area of my life is functioning in the flesh instead of the spirit? Am I fulfilling my role in the body where I have been planted? See, this Ephesians passage talks about each person is doing theirs, what they bring to the table, bring to the body. If each are doing it, then the, the body can have its full ministry perfected. Let me throw you something out to you like this. 
based on what I understand from Scripture, I believe this. I believe that every need that's in any congregation, listen carefully, every need that exists within any congregation, I believe God has already placed within it what it needs to get that need supplied and met. It's personal conviction or a belief that I have. You may not believe that. But I believe it happens at any given time that whatever that body needs, the potential to get that need met already exists there. Now, sometimes it isn't met. Why? Because sometimes we are waiting for somebody else to do something instead of us doing what we already know to do. How do I know that? Because I've been there and done that. But you know you can only do that for so long until God really gets on your case. What do I mean? The Holy Spirit convicts. says you need to straighten this area out. You know, I've called you, I've called you, I've called you. You need to get this taken care of. And sometimes we're slow about doing it. We're, well, let's let somebody else do that. Well, somebody else might be able to do it, but they may not have the anointing or call of God like you got it to do it. So is there some area where we're walking in the flesh instead of the Spirit? And are we fulfilling the call of God on our life for the particular body where God has placed you. Think about that this week and see what God says. Father, I pray for every one of us here today. I thank you for your grace and your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for the call of God upon our life. I thank you, Lord, for every good provision that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for the love of God that you have put within each person in this place. Lord, I thank you for that, and I praise you for it, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, we know that you never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for that. We know that you're always present with us in every circumstance, and we say thank you for that. We know, Lord, that you've already planned ahead, made every good provision for us, and you have all the wisdom uh, and available to us. You tell us if we like wisdom to ask, so you've already got it. So, Lord, we thank you ahead of time for releasing that. And Lord, the love of God that you have put within us, we declare that it gets manifest this week in greater measures than we've ever known before. We thank you for that. Amen.